Mark Twain once said, if you always tell the truth, you never have to remember anything. And that's true, isn't it? You don't have to remember what story you told whom or prop up the lie you told by inventing new ones. Lying, as it turns out, is a lot of work. It's just, it's just hard, to, but telling the truth is easy. It, the consequences for telling the truth might not be easy all the times, but telling it is. It's a lot less work. It's freeing. And that's what Christians are supposed to be. We're supposed to live as free men and women. Free from the punishment for sin, because Jesus paid our debt on the cross, but free from bondage to sin. We don't have to keep on sinning and injuring ourselves and others. Our lives can be a lot less complicated if we took Jesus at his word. The problem is, we can't be taken at ours. And that's what Jesus addresses next in the Sermon on the Mount. If you're visiting with us this morning, we've been working through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew. And so far, Jesus has been laying out all these illustrations of true morality. And where we are now, he's talking about the importance of telling the truth. He's, he's, he's talked about victory over anger. He's talked about uh, purity in, in sexual matters. He's talked about faithfulness in marriage. And now, this morning, he comes to the place where he's talking about the importance of telling the truth. And if you have your Bible with you this morning, you might see that there's a, a heading above this passage that just says, oaths. And you may think he's strictly talking about oaths and whether or not we should take them, but what we're learning so far is that Jesus is always getting underneath it all. He's, he's always getting to the bottom of stuff, to the heart of the matter. And what he reveals over and over again is as much as we may think we have it all together, we all have untamed hearts. We often want what we shouldn't want. And in most cases, we, we don't want the things we should want most. And what that looked like in Jesus' day is the religious leaders of the time were taking God's law and creating these loopholes so they could go on living the way that they wanted while still considering themselves righteous. That's what they were doing with their oaths and with their vows, making empty promises that did nothing but reveal their empty hearts. Let's read what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Here again, the words of the one true and living God. Again, you have heard it said that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for revealing yourself to us in it and for your Holy Spirit at work within us that conforms us more and more to it. I pray, God, that you would move me out of the way this morning so people hear and remember what has come to them from you. Lord, that your, your message would be remembered and that I, as the messenger, would be easily forgotten. Make it so, in Jesus' name. Amen. Years ago, I went to a men's breakfast where there was a man speaking uh, and, uh, to, to a group of Christian men, 
And he said something that has stuck with me all these years. He said, say what you mean, mean what you say, and don't be mean when you say it. That's what Christians do. Right? It's what we should do. And I'd say that's the main idea of the sermon this morning, at least two-thirds of it. Say what you mean, mean what you say. The don't be mean when you say it part isn't, isn't a direct application of Jesus' teaching in this passage, but we know from looking elsewhere in Scripture, we are to speak the truth in love, right? Recognizing that, uh, you know, extending grace to people because we all know we're sinners too. Say what you mean, mean what you say. I've got two points for you this morning. Our propensity to dishonesty and Christ's insistence on our integrity. Right? So, our propensity to dishonesty and Christ's insistence on our integrity. And again, the main idea is Jesus, that Jesus is trying to get across here is to say what you mean, mean what you say. And they weren't. They, they weren't doing that. So point number one, our propensity to dishonesty. See, what the Jews had done is they developed this whole superstitious theology of oaths in order to be able to lie without breaking God's law about using his name in vain, about swearing falsely. They made their own version of the laws concerning oaths and vows in order to lower the bar that's what we've been talking about, hasn't it? Jesus is, is constantly showing them how they continue to lower the bar of God's law. But they, that's what they were trying to do. They were coming up with these ways to lower the bar when it came to lying. If they didn't swear by God, then they weren't bound to tell the truth. And if they lied, it was okay because they didn't swear to God. You see? How convenient, right? They did take perjury seriously. They took perjury seriously, lying in court, but just not telling the truth generally. It was no big deal. They could swear by God in court, and that meant something, but they could swear by something else in regards to their, their neighbor, and it meant nothing. And we, we do that too, though, don't we? There's times where we, we sort of think, well, now it's important, right? Uh, there's little white lies, but if I was in court and I had to swear on a Bible to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, then I better be telling the truth. Jesus says, what's your problem? You think there's a difference? You think, you think telling the truth depends on what room you're in and who is listening? God is always listening. Why wouldn't you just always tell the truth? Why, why wouldn't you just say what you mean and, and mean what you say? But what they did is they got clever and they came up with ways to get people to believe you were telling the truth without being accountable to God if it turned out you were lying. If you took an oath by the temple, it wasn't binding. But if you took an oath on the, by the gold on the temple, it was binding. I'm not making this up. You can look at Matthew 23 and see where they did this, right? You could make an oath um, by the altar that was in the temple, not binding. But if you took an oath on what was offered on the altar in the temple, binding. This was the game they were playing. Jesus is saying, why are you making oaths you don't intend to keep? What is an unbinding oath? 
Jesus basically says, don't swear at all. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Say what you mean and mean what you say. But the big question here that often gets asked is, is Jesus saying oaths are wrong? We shouldn't take oaths at all? Is that, is that what he's teaching here? There are some Christians who believe that. If you guys are familiar with, um, you know, the Quakers, this is something they, they, they believe firmly. They, they, they will not take an oath in court or otherwise because they, they believe that Jesus was teaching not to swear at all, that he had put a ban on taking oaths, and so taking an oath today is a sin. We have to remember, though, what Jesus has been doing in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount so far. He hasn't been presenting a new law. He's not done away with the law, he says. Not one jot or tittle shall pass away. He just said that like 15 verses ago in the same chapter. So he's not overturning what God had previously said and taught about oaths. God gave legislation on when and how to take oaths in the Old Testament. Nothing has changed here. It's important for us to remember Jesus never points to the Old Testament and says, oh, yeah, that, that was wrong. Yeah, uh, you know, don't, don't ignore the man behind the curtain. <laughs> you know, he, he never points at something in the Old Testament and says, yeah, uh, we, we kind of ironed that out a little bit, and, um, you know, don't, don't worry about that. Just kidding. He doesn't do that. Jesus is God. He's the one who gave those laws in the first place. So Jesus is not uprooting the Jewish religion in these verses and everywhere else in the sermon where he gives this phrase, right, of uh, you have heard it said, but I say. He's not turning things upside down. He's turning them right side up. So we can see them clearly, see through the distortion that the religious leaders at this time had, had brought upon it. He's saying, hey, you guys are messing it up again. You're messing it up. You're taking a good thing and messing it up. You're misunderstanding it and creating ways around it. Don't do that. You know, it's there for a reason, and it's good for you. And he gets specific by addressing the, the things that they were swearing by specifically. They were swearing by heaven, swearing by earth, by Jerusalem, and even one's own head. That's what he says. That's, uh, that, that's what he lists here in these verses. So what, what's behind all that? Here's what. People were swearing oaths by these things so that they would not have to swear using God's name. And, and so if they didn't fulfill what they swore, they were off the hook. They didn't really break God's law. And there was no real weight behind their oaths, so people took oaths and made vows without it really meaning anything, just, just words and empty promises. So what Jesus is after here isn't really whether or not he approves of making oaths or taking vows at all, is it? He's after the untamed heart again. He's always after the heart. What's at the heart then of their oath making and vow taking? Hypocrisy and dishonesty. That's what he's addressing. He says they're essentially living a lie. They're, they're saying that they're, they're one thing and then they're demonstrating by their behavior that they're not. And by doing that, they're breaking the whole law of God. So this thing they think that's letting them off the hook, it's, it's really just, it's just a domino effect where they're breaking the whole law of God. Because remember, what does Jesus say? What is, how does he sum up the whole law of God? Love God, love neighbor, right? 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So let's stack this up then. They're living in full view of God and lying in his presence. That's not loving God. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And deceiving your neighbor isn't loving your neighbor, right? So they've broken the whole law. The kind of swearing that they're doing is really just giving the appearance of earnestness. That's what they're trying to accomplish. They, you know, they want you to believe them. They, they want to give the appearance of being believable. It's giving the appearance of a commitment without any real commitment. They're swearing on anything but God in order to leave themselves an out. And actually, they actually think, they've actually convinced themselves that God's going to be okay with it because they didn't swear using his name. It's, you know, you think about when we were little kids, and, you know, children would uh, say something, tell a tall tale, or, or make some sort of promise, and then they'd have their fingers crossed behind their back like this, right? Jesus is like, I see you. you. You're not fooling anyone but yourselves. So Jesus' point here is that people ought to be able to take us at our word because we are truthful people. Period. We should be believable because what we say is true, not because we've taken an oath. It shouldn't require an oath. Oaths are permitted, right? God gives instructions on how to do it in Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 10, Leviticus 19, elsewhere. So Jesus isn't saying don't do that anymore. He's addressing, just as those laws did, our propensity to dishonesty. Point number two. Christ's insistence on our integrity. You know, the reason we have oaths and vows and contracts at all today is because we all know what the Bible tells us about ourselves is absolutely true. <laughs> that we're all liars. <laughs> we're, we, we cannot be trusted. We're fallen. We have to remember that. We're we're not all sunshine and rainbows with a few cloudy days in our forecast. We're not mostly good with a little bit of bad mixed in. We're, we're bad to the bone, and every piece of us needs to be redeemed. If we weren't that bad off, we would not have needed God to come in the flesh and die in our place. Were we not that bad off, we wouldn't need laws to tell us you can't steal from people and kill them. The laws exist because sin does. Oaths and vows exist because wickedness does, because we're crooked and we all know it. We have contracts because we lie and cheat and steal. That's who we are. If we didn't, if that's not who we were, we wouldn't need those things, Right? You know, go let your yes be yes at the car dealership. See if they take your word for it. See if you can take theirs that they're giving you the best deal. Sadly, we need something a little more concrete than just our word. And so God, in his grace, gave laws concerning making promises with some umph. 
He gave something to restrain our proneness toward twisting the truth, to safeguard our neighbors from our propensity to dishonesty, uh, so that when our neighbors needed to be certain of our words, they could be. So the whole reason God gave laws about how to swear in the first place was to put our lying in check and to make life possible. Because you can't get really far if you can't trust anything anybody ever says. Life's just not going to work that way. Jesus insists on our integrity. That we say what we mean and we mean what we say. We are accountable to God for our words. And he reminds us that every promise made is made in the presence of the living God. It, it, it all concerns God. You know, we have the tendency to do this, we, we, you know, to draw circles around things in our lives and say, well, this is the God stuff over here, right? This is, this is the sacred thing over here. And then all this other stuff, this is mine. This is my private area, and this doesn't concern God at all. It doesn't work that way. It's not the way it is. All of this stuff concerns God. And so Jesus says that our yes should mean yes in every instance. And our no mean no. He doesn't need God. The Christian man does not need to call God as a witness to what he says because you should just be able to believe a Christian. You should just be able to believe them because what comes out of their mouth is true. The Christian knows he is forever living koram deo, before the face of God. We live out all of our lives before the face of the one true and living God. So all of our thoughts, our words, our deeds are always laid bare before our maker, only ever, all of the time. And with that awareness then, right, when we understand that that is the fact of the matter, that motivates us to speak the truth at all times. Anything less than that, okay, anything less than that, Jesus says, comes from the evil one. Verse 37. Speaking with the intent to mislead or deceive is not of God. It is of the devil. That's how serious lying is. Jesus doesn't give us gray area here to work with. There's no neutral ground here. There are no white lies. Your desire to deceive, and then how quickly and easily you justify your deception is evidence of an untamed heart. And apart from the grace of God and forgiveness in Christ, that, that will land you in hell, that, that, damned for all eternity. Again, that's how serious it is. If, here's the thing. If there's anything I think we're most guilty of in the church in America today, it's convincing people they really aren't all that bad, that sins are just mistakes, and that grace is cheap. Preachers serve up tasty little sermonettes to tickle people's ears on Sunday and to, to give people sort of the validation that they can't find in their relationship with their spouse or in their job. So they give them what they think people need in order to keep them coming back. But we keep the sin thing quiet. Don't talk about sin. Because it's hard to fill seats when you tell people they're sinners. Well, it's a whole lot harder to get them to heaven if you don't.
What need does anyone have of a Savior who shed his own blood for sin if sin is not as serious as Jesus says it is? Y'all, we can't lose sight of that. We cannot lose sight of that. And here's the thing. Here's why I bring this up. Lying is one of those things, somehow it just gets in the more easily accepted column Right? We don't put it on the same shelf with those other sins because we all know a little bit of lying is what makes the world go round. You know, if I told the truth at work all the time, I wouldn't make as many sales. If I don't lie in this one little scenario over here, things are not going to work out in my favor. And I really need them to work out in my favor. And God knows this, He will forgive me. Here's the deal, and this is what Jesus is laying down, okay? It's just your integrity. You might lie, you might get what you want. No one may ever be the wiser, but God knows. And sin leaves scars on your character. What is that worth to you? It is finished. But you're a work in progress. He meets you where you are. He doesn't leave you where you are, though, does he? What's your character worth to you? And even in the little things, y'all, if I told you on Wednesday I was going to call you on Friday, you ought to be expecting a call from me on Friday because I should say what I mean and mean what I say. You should follow through with your words even when it's easier not to simply because you're concerned with what Jesus is most concerned with, your heart. Your integrity should matter to you because it matters to Jesus. And here's where the rubber meets the road, y'all. There's never been a man with more integrity than Jesus, and there never will be. He is the God-man. And you know why he was so righteous? You know why he was so righteous when he walked the earth? Because he knew you needed it. Because he knew you needed it. Banks, because you're not perfect. And God will not accept anything less than absolute perfection. That's why he was so righteous. And when you turn away from your sin and when you run to Christ for forgiveness and to be spared from the wrath of God justly due for your sin, you trade places with Jesus he stands before the Father guilty. And you stand in his place, blameless in the sight of God. You show up with his report card, and he shows up with yours. Jesus expects straightforward honesty and for us to be people of integrity. And he has the right to ask that of us, doesn't he? He has the right to ask that of us. Seems like such a simple thing too, doesn't it? Seems like such a simple thing, and it is. It would make our lives simpler, cleaner, less complicated. And if we have a hard time believing that's true, that's only because we're so used to being lied to. We think Jesus can't be taken at his word because we know we can't. We don't trust what he says because we know 
it's really hard to trust anybody. But God is not like us, y'all. He, he, Jesus is not even just uh, like a better version of us. That's a wrong view of Jesus. That, that, that's making God in our own image when he made us in his. God cannot lie. Jesus is truth. When Jesus was delivered to, to Pontius Pilate, you remember this? Pilate says, what is truth? And the truth is literally staring him back in the face. Truth itself had a face. You might not be able to trust every word everyone you know has ever said, but you can trust every word that God has revealed to you in his word. And you might not be able to trust someone without the safeguard of a, of a contract to protect you if things go sideways, but the contract made between God and those he loves is sealed in his own blood. Nothing in existence can break that bond. God swears by himself using his holy name because there is nothing higher that you can swear on. God swears by himself he will never leave you or forsake you. God says what he means and he meant it when he said it. That's good news. Thank God he is not like us and that you can take his word for it. He does what he says he will do. He is always faithful and always follows through. He is trustworthy in all of his ways and he does not want less for you. That's the kind of reputation we're to have. Truth speakers. We, we are to be trustworthy. We're supposed to be like him. So let's Let's say what we mean and mean what we say. And especially here is our little family, right? Let's not be mean when we say it, right? But let's say what we mean and mean what we say. To have that reputation of being Christians, those Christian people, they're awkward, they tell the truth even when it costs them. That's who we are. That's who we are. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this truth this morning. Thank you, Lord, for never telling us half-truths. Thank you for never misleading us. Help us, Father, to trust you. As hard as it is for us to trust others and to even trust ourselves sometimes, Lord, help us to trust you because you are trustworthy. You are worthy of our trust. And make us more like you. Make us more trustworthy. Men and women of character with an integrity that testifies to your work in our lives. Do this for your namesake, Lord, for your own glory, for our benefit, and the good of others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.